Oh, I think you're muted, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's one way to start it off. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are. We appreciate you being with us. This is MSP Community Live, and I am Ray Orsini, OIT Ray, on the Discords and the Reddits and the YouTubes, joined, uh, as always, by Mr. Matt Topper. Uh, and today's special guest uh, joining us again is Mr. Kyle Spooner. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm great. How are you? Good, bro. How are you doing, Matt? Doing great. Even after football this week, you're doing great? It's a lost cause. <laughs> is that like, we're done? Is that is that so, what it is? We're just basically giving up What's, what's your team again? Uh, the, the Dolphins. Oh, his? <laughs> his. Jet, yeah, jazz. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So not we're only talking. are we about to lose... We're about to lose Sunday night national TV against the Chiefs with all of the Taylor Swift fans watching and tuning in. Going to be a just complete massacre. Yeah. Um, Dolphins are doing great. Yay. Go sports ball. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm a Packer fan. And the fact that we're uh, at 500 or above, I'll take. <clears throat> so did the, um, the Aaron slip? Like, did you feel it a little bit as a Packer, even though he's not? Yeah, I wanted him to be successful with the Jets. I wanted, I wanted the Jets to take Aaron. You know, the what Aaron can be and continue that yeah. legacy of the, of a great Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, I do think it was uh, long term a bad. I understand why they drafted Jordan Love, but I do think it, long term that wasn't a great move. Um, yeah. But he still has time to show us he can be successful i mean he did a comeback win versus the nowlin saints uh last week so i'm hoping he pans out for when he comes over to the jets in 10 years or so following yeah, i mean like this this process i like uh it's been great you know hall of fame quarterback goes to the jets uh, who will then go to the vikings and then lose uh it just it's a it's a win-win for a packer fan uh but anything that prevents the bears from being successful i'm, I'm all for that would be the Bears I, themselves. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't say I was excited for uh, – or that I was wishing him well at the Jets. I, I do love Aaron Rodgers, but it's like Tom Brady. I couldn't stand him on the Patriots. Now, when he went to Tampa, I'm like, hey, Tom Brady. <laughs> so, well, because he's out of your division. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm good with it. But, uh, no, the uh, the eight seconds on field was fantastic. I mean, that that's just – that's one of the highlights of the season, man. <laughs> it's, uh, he, he had so, a good highlight carrying the flag out before the game. I think that was the extent of the highlight reel this year. Poor guy. Poor guy. <clears throat> uh, well, he went out in style. It, it was a, you know, it was a, a good season. He'll be back. Anyway, so talk, let's talk about uh, not football or sports ball. Let's talk about uh, MSP. How has your MSP week uh, gone so far, this uh, guys? productive yeah getting a lot done enthusiasm moving, moving the stakes forward i just want to say moving the well chain. there's no enthusiasm right so you know right I, I told you guys i got uh invisalign treatment started this week so i'm just trying to survive the week and yeah. get through that it's been interesting. interesting i had gallbladder removal surgery uh a week ago <laughs> you look extremely well for having just had surgery sir uh which one because we both have technically had surgery i don't think that counts. Yeah, you, Kyle. Uh, yeah, I don't think mine counts as surgery. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, you it, didn't have anything removed. Uh, it, it's been it was an interesting experience, for sure. Uh, it took a few days for me to really um, come back to it, but everything's been great so far. Uh, I can't do much housework anymore because I can't lift over 10 pounds, so that's been uh, oh. great. Um, <laughs> Six uh, months of it, that, right? Uh, yeah, six months. I'll, I'll, uh, that's what I'm going to say when I go to my doctor's <laughs> visit next week. It'd be like, hey, just just write this down in the chart so I can show it to my wife and kids. Uh, Do the kids care about doctor's notes? No, but if it's in there, I have plausible deniability. Ah, that makes sense. Well, I'm glad you're both uh, recovering or doing uh, well and uh, enough to join here. So thank you, guys. Um, so what do you say we get into this MSP stuff, right? The stuff we uh, should be doing uh, or should be covering. We have... I'd rather talk about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it's really <laughs> Actually, um, let's see. Is there a threat? Yeah, there's a threat. 
Uh, I would definitely love to talk about Aaron Rodgers over this damn Chromium uh, WebP uh, vulnerability. Uh, for those who don't know, WebP has a vulnerability. <laughs> why don't you Why don't you explain it, Kyle? Since uh, um, you know, can you expand on that? Sure. Uh, if you have an application that displays images uh, or from the web or displays websites, uh, more than likely that is or was a vulnerable system to a library that is in use called WebP. I mean, it's like LiveWebP 3 yeah. or something, um, but it's a very broad library that a lot of people and applications use. So uh, Google it, you'll find it's a CV CVSS 10 high maximum oh god world on fire the situation. world is falling uh similar to log4j but probably not as rampant uh of a of a lower exposure yeah, lower I exposure mean, it has teams um, dude <laughs> i mean um, teams yeah but so the the thing is though <laughs> with, with this he's dying to say it's discord not a proper platform i'm sorry go ahead matt right you you, you maybe saw my post i know i put it in our uh, Discord chat. Um, okay. Yes, CVSS 10. Yes, very bad and very um, high exposure, right, in terms of number of apps that use it. But one of the points I was trying to make is that from the end user perspective, like all this freaking out really just boils down to update your stuff exactly yeah. like you already should be doing. Uh, and, and don't so have it, local admin as well. This is, yeah, these are the, these and, are the and reasons so I, why. Right, exactly. These are the reasons why, but the 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 firestorm over oh my god, a CBSS ten, I think was a, a little overblown in that the remediation is update your stuff, which you should already be doing anyway. True, but I, I think the CVSS was more geared towards letting vendors know how critical of an issue it could be, not necessarily as an end user piece. Yes, no, I, I don't disagree with the rating S10. Uh, the reaction to the release, oh, I think, was a, a little um, theatric. Well, I don't remember. But, 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 okay, so here's the thing, though. You can't update teams, but, right, unless you're going to use new teams, which sucks. You can't update Slack. Like you can it. only use the web version. You can't update Discord. You have to use the web version. Mm hmm. So, so what do you do differently as an end user there, though? Like, what's your, your So action? the way we approached it, um, well, first of all, um, I'm finding the links. Uh, we actually covered this on Dispatch uh, just before this. Uh, we're going to put it as a special report next uh, week. But one of my security guys um, wrote a script to actually look for libraries and look for stuff um, to give you indicators. So he gave us this whole laundry list, like Canva desktop app is affected. And... Um, uh, B, uh, Beeper desktop app is affected. Basically, anything with Chromium that's out of date. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, which I'm calling it. So, what we did as a policy company wise is we just, they either use new teams or they use a web version. Um, we disabled, which you could probably argue is probably good regardless, but we uh, recently disabled external attachment sharing in Teams. So, nobody can send you an attachment in Teams because the concern is web PFAO. Because I'll be honest, I'm still using the desktop version of Teams, knowing full well it's vulnerable. But also, my only attack vector there is somebody in my team sharing a WebP file. Um, yeah, you're making a risk decision based right. on it's, a low likelihood. Yeah, so I feel comfortable with that. But because I couldn't block somebody extra, I work with a lot of external organizations and teams. So because I couldn't block them DMing me a file, and I wouldn't know what the file is, we made the, the move to block that specifically. Uh, we still mm -hmm. allow external chat. Um, so a little bit of policy, a little bit of technology. Um, you know, unfortunately, we can't control Slack and Discord. Anybody can send anything to anybody. I'm not going to start telling people turn off their DMs because um, I couldn't do it. Uh, so we're just it's using also policy. also risk assessment, though. You just accepted yeah. instead of mitigated. Yes. Yeah. Um, I am running the web versions of Discord and, and, and Slack, you know, just because I'm going to do that. Um, for the exact same reason. You can't control anything that comes in. So, um, mm. yeah, just risk assessments. Are you guys doing anything different? Have you communicated to your clients or anything? Um, we're in the figure out how bad it is internally stage for things that are out of date. Because um, as is mentioned in the multiple different areas, you can probably find a discussion about this. This is not, like this was 
reported seven days before the new CVSS came out. Yeah. So a lot of things that yesterday. used Chrome yeah. uh, were already in the process of being patched or using the library. So um, we're trying to understand what parts haven't been updated yet, what needs to be updated. And then once we have a, a full understanding, we can start the mitigation and yeah. uh, so, remediation. Well, and I mean, the mitigation remediation, oh, mitigation we could do, remediation, I don't think there's jack squat we could do, right? I mean, until until the apps are ready to be upgraded, yeah. but yeah, um, yeah, you decide to use it. Or but not there, based there on are the cases where the apps are updated, um, but we they just either they haven't applied or like there's something preventing it from updating, uh, you know. So we want to be aware of those and go kick those people's computers in the head to knock them out, put them back <laughs> on, wake them up, so they restart and update. Yeah. Um, so there's some remediation that can be done with those apps that have already been patched. Uh, but there's so, not much other than mitigation you can do for those that haven't. Matt, I'm curious about your opinion. So you think this is just hullabaloo? You don't think it's as, I mean, not that it's not significant, but you don't think it's as bad as, as you know, the log4j print nightmare. Some of I, I do think it's bad. I, I, I am a perpetual skeptic when you start getting the world is on fire, everybody drop everything and patch right now kind of reactions to things. There are very few things that weren't that type of reaction. Um, the exchange proxy logon was one of them. Um, and, and the reason for that is it required remediation beyond simply being up to date patch wise. Right. Um, and, and I think for most things that require remediation only in the form of patching, um, and, and again, it's not to understate the seriousness of this, but just a reminder that um, this shouldn't be what prompts you to patch things, right? It, it, it shouldn't be, uh, th this is our prompt now to go check our line of business applications and we wouldn't be doing that otherwise. It might simply be a reminder to up the cycle to something more frequent or patch today as opposed to 30 days from now but my my frustration with these reactions is often that it seems that this is these types of vulnerabilities are what prompts some organizations to start patching and and my response is you kind of should be doing that anyway oh, 100%. And, and that that that's my maybe frustration is not the right word but um if you have a patch management policy that you're confident in and isn't only covering Microsoft, um, you really don't have to do anything different aside from moving things up a cycle and then, then and also determining what you have that may be vulnerable. And so that, that's my only commentary on it in that um, I, I don't think that this should be what prompts an organization to start patching and, and should be um, anything beyond do you what you're already doing sooner. So I, I take a little bit of a, le a, a right turn to that statement. I, I think that most, at least MSPs, have some type of patching policy. I don't think that they review it to make sure it's working. <laughs> I, I agree. Right. Uh, and, and I a think lot of them stuff like Microsoft. this is what, yeah. And I think a lot, this is what stuff like this prompts them to verify that it's actually working. And then they go in and relook at it and then re-update and fix whatever's broken or whatever. This, that, this is what I That's a good point. See. Yeah. So, I mean, if if we had to bring that down to just a few words, what are you telling MSPs to do here, Matt? I mean, this is literally right in your wheelhouse. You're talking to MSPs about this stuff. So what's the recommendation? Well, I, I think I'm living in my Acme Corp world a little bit, right? <laughs> in your, you have unlimited resources. So from a practical perspective, what you and Kyle described really is the right thing to do. Understand what applications you have that are vulnerable, whether you do that by looking at a list or doing a scan or whatever, and update them. Um, that, that's really all there is to do. And, and you have to make a case-by-case -case decision, like you mentioned before, Ray, on if I have something that's vulnerable that doesn't have a patch, how critical is this to my operation? And, yeah. you know, is there a workaround? Um, is it something we don't use often that we can say don't use until it's updated? Or is it we're not doing business at all if this thing is going, so we just have to use it, right? It's a case-by-case -case decision. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with any of that. I think that's sage advice. Um, 
And because, you know, we like to scare people <laughs> on OSP Dispatch, this is the one that came out yesterday. Yeah. Um, this is the new one. I'll put the link in chat. <laughs> but it's more chrome room nonsense. Uh, also not patched. Uh, but this one was... This one's different, though. This was uh, libvx. Um, do you have? Do you know any of the information on this one, uh, Matt or Kyle? I don't. No, I just saw it was released. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Uh, it does affect um, Chrome, Firefox, older versions. Of course, Chrome has patched it. Um, but you know, we'll leave the link in the chat because this is early days. It just we were just notified about it. I think it came on my radar at five o'clock, six o'clock last night, uh, Eastern time. So. You know, we'll uh, just monitor as we go. And, and when you see stuff like that, it's a great opportunity, like like Kyle mentioned, to um, ensure that you have things like centrally managed Chrome policies that force auto updates, right? That That's one of the things to verify as opposed to saying, hey, everybody go download the new Chrome. Right. So I want to talk about uh, this is it's not a. This post I found on Reddit uh, this weekend uh, was not, I don't want to say it's, it's not a question that doesn't get brought up over and over and over again, but um, I'm a little disappointed at how the responses were. Um, so this post is, are we too expensive in Australia? Uh, hey guys, doing some research based in Australia. A uh, few leads said we were too expensive. We charge per seat plus extra for servers. Doesn't include licenses as 365 or Windows. Below is included our fully managed support plan, a bunch of tools. We price at 249 GST per seat, basically per user. We charge extra 450 per server per month. Uh, and then he mentions some tools he's using. Um, before we get into it, he's, well, I, I'm curious about your responses. 250 a user, 249 a user, 450 a server. He lists out his tools. He wants to be, he wants to know if uh, he's charging too much. Kyle, uh, what is your reaction when you see this? Uh, well, first off, my reaction is to figure out in what American dollars he's charging, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is about 160 USD because I just Googled it. Uh, okay. That is a bit on the high side when not including office licensing um like it's like i, I it, i'm unsurprised like it's like it's, it's like directly in that bracket of it being um most people doing per user cost and including it or not including that office license i i um, believe office is also one of those that remember in australia everything is significantly more expensive yeah and um, it may not be feasible at that 160 price point True. So that, but that I'm going, I can only interpret what I have uh, information yeah, yeah, available. So um, the only thing, I mean, it's okay. Uh, I, I, I would, it, there's not a whole lot of stuff that he's using um, that I can see that would justify that high of a cost. Um, okay. He may not have included all of his tools, like uh, RMM plan. Um, the, like there's a, there's like an MSP business that's missing. Um, uh, is it just sent no one complete? Is that the only thing yeah. he's giving to his clients with with a backup? Um, iron scales for. Uh, is using iron scales for backup? Um, Must be email yeah. security. Yeah. Um, I mean, but uh, it doesn't. That's he needs commas. He need to figure out a comma uh, <laughs> because it just looks like one giant blurb of products that he decided to uh, grab and throw on there. But it doesn't seem like his cost is justified, in my opinion, based on the conversion rate. That seems very high for what he's providing to the end user. Um, if I could see a better of what the cost breakdown was, but I would say anywhere from one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars a user uh, USD including RMM, uh, DNS filtering, AV, Huntress, something like that. Um, and with additional higher-end protectional services coming in at a, a, a additional cost. Like have a, have, you have a base package of 150 to 20, including the office license. Um, and then 
then you would increase based on having additional layers of security is how I would personally do it. But I don't think that's too far out of asking. What's, uh, what's your feedback, uh, Matt? <clears throat> I think mine's a little simpler and, and it's, if your clients are willingly paying that and everyone is happy, then it's not too expensive. That's uh, it. I mean, it's kind of that, right? If you're losing, if you're losing every deal based on price, maybe it's too expensive. But if, if you are winning a significant portion or at least enough of your prospects to be able to charge for that and your existing clients pay it without complaining about it, then the reality is it's not too expensive. Even if um, Kyle is, is correct in that it, it may not be what we would charge if we started from zero, but if it's working, then go for it. So my feedback is I have no freaking clue. Um, most of the feedback on there was very much like Kyle's. Uh, looking, and Kyle, I apologize. I did set you up there. Um, That's fair. Uh, but it, for to be fair, though, your role is not sales. You talk about sales, but your role is not sales. Your role is uh, your upper level management on the technical side, correct? Uh, operations, yeah. Operations, thank you. So, you know, to a hammer, everything's a nail, right? Um, I look at it and similarly, yes, I'm an engineer, but I spent more of my life on the, at this point, on the business side. So to me, my nail is I look at the business side of it. And so my response, um, similar to Kyle, but on the business side, is who cares about the tools? At, you know, in 2015, 2016, I was still selling seats at 180, uh, 180 to 225, uh, 220 a user. Um, I had all of that minus a different tool set, but it's really not relevant. Anytime somebody would ask me what I charge, I would tell them uh, it was 180 or if they're regulated, which was most of my clients, 220. And uh, I include most of that. We had no sense on one at the time or whatever. Um, but it was never based on what tools I had. Yes, security was covered, training was covered, applications were covered, blah, blah was covered. But it was more about what am I delivering service-wise for that price? Um, which I would have liked to see in that post. That That is going to have a higher factor than, because no client is looking and saying, am I getting Barracuda? Am I getting, you know, Sentinel-1? That's getting what I was trying. You, you just yeah. said exactly what I was trying to say, except you <laughs> removed all the tools that I mentioned. You're, uh, you're covered. You're, you have a basic layer of coverage of yes. services. The tool doesn't matter. The basic layer yeah. of coverage of services, you're protecting email, you're protecting a yeah, AV, stuff like that. That's what I was trying to get at. But, so and, and that's what it. I'm looking for here. I'm looking for, tell me what clients you're working with, right? Because you guys said this, tell me what clients you're working with so we can see what the vertical is, what the needs might be. Because if you're telling me 160 a user for an office, a, re a regular professional office, Okay, fine. You're telling me 160 user for some kind of like CAD design firm or high-end AV firm or some boutique PE firm. That's not going to cover Jack because they're going to be very labor intensive. They're going to be very consulting intensive and you're going to burn through that so fast. Um, I remember I had a uh, cancer research lab that was a client of mine. The stack was never the problem. We ended up, I think, at 350, 400 a user. Um, and this was a 300 user organization that was global. Um, but we did it because they had so many specialist tools in each of their labs. And they had labs at uh, UCLA. They had labs at uh, uh, Florida, not Florida Atlantic, um, USF, uh, United uh, University of South Florida. They had labs in these college campuses with this millions of dollars of hardware and software and, and whatever. And it was a giant learning curve for us. And we were constantly working with these vendors we had to charge that there was no fucking there was no way mm -hmm. we couldn't have done it um mm. so like that that's what i would like to see that, that's what i would have liked to see to have that conversation and advise are you charging too much or too little because like kyle said it's what the client's willing to pay or i matt i forgot who said it but it's, it's what the client's willing to pay to me it was not how much was i charging it was who was i was going after i was going after regulated businesses, professional businesses that had licensure, that had oversight, you know, that kind of stuff. And it worked really well for my model and nobody batted an eye at the pricing. Um, but you have to have a client type. If you're going to say my my client type is five to 10 users, small business, that's not going to do jack. That's not enough information. So 
And, and I think this post was right. This was a prospect post, not a existing client complaining Correct. about the price post. I think, yep. and and for the most part, I I've always taken the sense that I don't mind losing deals on price, unless I'm losing every deal on price. Then that might be a chance right. that I'm charging too much. But if this is well, just one maybe. and most of them are okay, then okay. Your target market could also be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. But yeah, it's but I, I agree with you as a, as a one off. That's not a data point I'd pay attention to. If it's multiple or higher than average, then yes, I'm looking at changing the client type or changing my pricing. Um, you know, that is just how it goes. But I will tell you also when we get because we get it today at OAT point where like they're like, well, OK, you charge this, but this vendor was charging me this. And I'm like, yeah, but you're on the phone with me because you want to switch. You just gave me all these pain points what does it matter what they're charging you like are you having to trying to have me match that yeah. service right because we've all seen good and bad msps that had the right tools but maybe didn't deploy them properly or whatever the tools don't matter in my opinion um unless it's web root but that's but never mind. Just kidding yeah. yeah the only other thing that i see with this is it feels like it's a he's not showing he may not be showing this or they may not be showing this specifically but it feels like they're nickel and diming everything and counting every penny towards the uh, the, the the gross margin or the, the contract itself, um, and I just want to simplify things. Like this is our service, this is what we cover. Boom. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard. It's hard to quantify it, but uh, yeah. And I I do see I wouldn't do it, but I do see a lot of organizations now breaking three sixty five out specifically because of NCE. I'm seeing that a lot more. Uh, but let's play our favorite game. Uh, thanks to Kyle. What did the commenter say? Um, Kyle, let's start with you. Where do you think um, this I'm going to go with not enough information uh, okay. or um, you're too expensive. <laughs> like you're, you're too expensive for what you're offering uh, is specifically. Matt, you're a reformed MSP. Talk to us. Mm -hmm. What do you think is coming on here? My guess is commenters went deep into the <clears throat> tool hyper analysis rabbit hole of, you know, every line item. And based on what you have, this is correct or not correct. So, yeah. So, okay. So what's your margin gross and net on these packages? If 90% gross, probably too expensive. That's actually not bad metrics. Um, I don't... That's not the first metric I look at, but yes, they are metrics I would pay attention to. Um, so happy data for exactly this. There was always going to be prospects that you're too expensive. We have this seems very expensive for a small stack because of tools for a small stack that doesn't include VP. Uh, another, you need to add more lists to these offerings. That's those are the kind of responses that uh, kill me a little bit. Um, okay, here's an Aussie bundling similar services for 180 a user. Um, it uses the dollar sign, but that could absolutely be Australian, uh, including 365 standard and after hours. We don't charge extra for managing servers, uh, but server backup would be an additional fee. That sounds more reasonable. So, Kyle, you said uh, 249 ended up being 160, so that would make 180 bring it back down to like just uh, just under 100 bucks. Damn, that seems um, cheap, yeah. Um, way too expensive <clears throat> if you have customers willing to pay for that <laughs> over 300 a seat after gst and licensing is just unobtainable unobtainable for what you're offering but it might um, not be right i disagree with that be. uh from a factual statement but for a lot of clients in the smb area i understand that but it's also a way and it's how it's presented um in every business the most expensive cost is your employees Absolutely. And as mm -hmm. an MSP, as someone who is talking to SMBs who also have employees, when you're pitching it and you have per user, that's what you should focus on. We're just adding an additional $200 a month to your fully burden costs per employee. Yep. And if you add a remove, that adds a remove to our contract and fees. It's just like having a cell phone, company cell phone, uh, insurance, all that good stuff. Now they just get IT support. I, um, yeah, I, I, I've said all I can say on this. Uh, Matt, you have anything else you want to say on this before we go to the next one? No, right? Uh, if right. you can get someone to pay it, 
Good for you. Yeah. Um, all right. So our next one <clears throat> is how are you verifying the client when they call in? Uh, occurred to me the other day that I do not know every client's voice or POC's voice these days. I'm thinking of giving each individual a verification pin, static four-digit pin. Maybe it changes once every couple of years. All users of the clients that interact with us know it. How are you guys managing this? Um, not that way. That's, that's my answer. <laughs> so, you Matt, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah, this comes up every once in a while, so it's not an exciting topic, but it does come up. I want to say it just happened right with the uh the mgm stuff yes yes uh, so you know it's it's and that exactly the the mgm for i can't imagine there's anybody who doesn't know at this point uh it was entirely social engineering based called the help desk got them to reset a password through social engineering and that was the attack vector to get into and decimate uh mgm caesars and i think there was one more um and even Caesars tried to pay, and it's still they still didn't get back all their stuff, which that's rough. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so Matt, what do you say here? What What were you guys doing, or do you have any so advice we, for this, uh, person? We did it with Duo, uh, Duo using the help desk push feature. Um, I know there are other solutions, but we were using Duo for MFA at the time, and I think um, I think Microsoft does it now. Yeah. I think even right, Kelvin built that into SIP. Yeah, um, Kelvin just added that to SIP uh, in this last release. You can you can put, or maybe not this last release, but yeah, you can push to Microsoft Authenticator. Um, so I think that's a great option, whether it's Duo, Microsoft, wh whatever. Um, a mobile push as verification is a probably one of the top answers that I could come up with. I think the pins um, are good in theory, except in practice, no one will remember their management calling for support. In the management of the pin, yeah, who assigns it when it gets created? Where is it stored? Yeah, we do billing pins uh, on an account level um, for a, for billing changes, um, and even that, and it's printed on the invoice. Um, it's not hard security; it's just a factor. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, even that, we get people that can't find the pins every once in a while. Um, it's it's a thing. Uh, Kyle, what about you? Uh, you're still facing this every day. What what's your uh, uh, feedback? We require our clients to tell us uh, multiple points of contact. And then we do a change request. So if someone calls in requesting a password, we do a change request. It gets automatically sent uh, to their point of contact, um, authorized person point of contact. And we reach out to them um, and verify that so-and-so is requesting a password. Is, are, we are you authorizing us to reset that password for them? That's not foolproof, but... Uh, it allows us to maintain some type of order uh, internally and with the client itself to, to make sure that we're doing it. But yeah, as you know, Duo was an option we looked at. Um, Traceless uh, help desk buttons can do it, some type of verification. Um, so, And you, your method is a nice way to handle things like, I need access to this folder or share. You can get it verified by the primary contact, yeah. which Duo can't do. It's the same process. We just added password resets and new account creations and terminations and all of that stuff. Right, you're muted. I should point out we just did a special. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I'm on Disney mode. In two hours, I'm leaving to Disney. Uh, oh, just so lucky. Out of me, so. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, call it? So. Uh, we just did a special report uh, a couple weeks ago. Danielle from Huntress, uh, she works on in finance. Um, they had one of their their clients, or I'm sorry, one of their vendors um, have this where they were um, uh, attacked and got the email forwarded, and they they had an ACH request where they were redirecting the requests, uh, and there was $130,000 that they sent the change to Huntress, and Huntress's policy was to pick up the phone and call. They would not do anything by email. They had to do voice verification, um, and that saved them uh, 130 grand. Saved both sides because the client would have never received it. Um, and so, I thought that was cool. It's funny how that a lot of these can easily be solved without technology. Don't get me wrong. Love Duo. Love Authenticator. Mm -hmm. um, technology it, makes it easier, but process does have a place in this. I yeah. think it's a, a mix to, to get the best of all the worlds and to make sure that everything works. You need a mixture of process, procedure, and technology to allow the facilitation and efficiency gains from the process and procedure. Wasn't that one of the tracks at uh, MSB Geekon 2023, MSB uh, Geekon.com? 
Yeah. Go check it out. <laughs> People I gotta process plug it. automation. Yeah. I got to plug it. We're preparing for 24 already. Yep. Um, so, you know, and uh, you, uh, good time to call it out. Uh, I don't have graphics for it right now, but uh, Kyle, when is MSB Geekon next year? Do you have the dates? Uh, May 19th, 20th, and 21st, 2024. There you go. Nice. Yeah. So it'll be in the same Rosen Plaza mm -hmm. Center. Yep. I forget. The Plaza. One of the plaza uh and uh yeah next may in orlando yep. um so start blocking off your calendars tickets will be coming tickets will be available later this year just uh keep an eye on msb geek but so we get to cheat a little bit um being the platform voice provider we can see when they're calling from a an extension on our platform um that can't be spoofed <laughs> so um so we get to, you know, because if you're going to do MFA, something you know, something you have. Well, the thing they have is that phone that nobody else has access to. Um, so, and we can tell the difference between, you know, mobile, snap mobile, uh, mobile apps and the web apps and actually calling from a desk phone. Um, mm -hmm. So that is a method of authentication that we use um, that I haven't seen anybody else use, but I, I've talked about it a couple of times. It's kind of neat. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just standard practices because okay so let me ask you the question because this gets a little more murky uh and i'm not the only one that will have this any break fix people will have this or anybody that does anything non-msp um what do you tell those people how are they handling it how should they handle identification when it's somebody you don't have tools with right if they call you every once in a while and now they want to change their credit card on file or something they what's the file there yeah you that's why you have the process procedure part of it without the yeah. technology yeah your um, process will be different i mean what what kyle suggested with the support pin then starts making a lot more sense uh i would recommend just having a point of contact and reaching out to them even if they call you hang up call the numbers you have call you, you can use the email they have you have on file the phone you have on file and call yeah. them back yeah and email that, them and say hey that's protection 101 that i think needs to be repeated every time you get a chance the whole, if you weren't expecting it, you weren't looking for it, don't do it. And I, you know, if I have BOA or the IRS calling me, I always ask them, can I have a number that I can verify online that I can call you back at? I need to be able to go to irs.gov, find this number, call you at that number and be able to reach you. And honestly, when the few times I've had the IRS that I've had to do exactly that, they were really cool about it. They're like, no, we, we're seeing this all the time. We absolutely get it. They were really awesome about it. Um, so Bank of America can actually send you a push on your phone. Um, but the vendors, they're open to this. So don't mm -hmm. make it up in your head that, no, nobody's going to want to do this. They don't mind for the most part. Um, so I just thought that would be kind of cool. Uh, this is a little, this is uh, something I'm going to bring up. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I thought it was a nice little quirky one. Uh, telephone phone greeting. We're trying to formulate a proper phone greeting with someone, whether current client, someone else calls our office so they can be routed properly. Our current greeting is slim. Basically, calls end up going to a general voicemail, then emails out to everybody. Help desk gets distracted. Calls are not responded to. Uh, so they're not doing live answer. Uh, it would be, would you be willing to share how your greetings are set up? Um, I'm going to extend this a little bit and talk about initial points of contact best practices. Right, whether they submit an email ticket, whether they call you, whether you do live answer, auto attendant, whatever. Um, we all have our opinions on client success or client experience best practices. Um, Matt, or I'm sorry, Kyle, you go first this time. You guys are doing this today. You're fielding calls from clients and tickets from clients. What's what do you I'm think is preface best response? my response with uh, something I think is very important? Telephony as a whole is stupid, and I hate it. <laughs> Uh, I don't so, disagree. <laughs> so, I don't. so, uh, my response to this question, uh, is just like any other, I just set up an auto attendant and have a clear and concise method for where your the primary calls come. If it's, uh, and start with that one, like, Hey, thank you for calling, uh, MSP community live technologies, uh, Press one for help desk if you have a service related technical issue. If you're interested in, in, in new client details or need to talk with a sales associate, please press two. If you have a billing or finance related question, please press three. And for all other things, please press zero to, to speak with uh, or leave a voicemail. Like something simple, yeah. yet is clear and concise to where it needs to go. 
you're muted again. You're muted. Um, but it also depends on, uh, like, it, it, it depends on the individual MSP and how you want to handle it. Um, I would, uh, my ideal situation would be uh, someone calling, directing themselves uh, to their department as required, and then someone answering a phone and being able to assist them immediately with where they actually need to go if they have an issue. So you guys don't do any live answer, you do auto attendance? Uh, that's where it starts. And then it goes to depending on, uh, we have a, a whole team dedicated to answering phones related to the help desk, but they can also, they're our intake team. So they're designed to answer the phones when they come in. Matt, I don't remember the last time I called ConnectWise corporate that it wasn't support. Um, <laughs> and I'm not counting support and sales because support and sales are two different animals. Mm -hmm. That So sales should always live answer, period. Um, but just general phone number for ConnectWise. Do you guys live answer? Do you know? I don't think so. I don't think I've never called ConnectWise for support, actually. <laughs> I never have either. I have. Kyle, okay. Do they live answer? Is it auto tenant? What is it? The last time I was uh, now it's been a few years. But the last time I did, it was a live answer to which I got no one else to talk to. Uh, they put a ticket in for me, and then that was it. Yeah. So, I, I mean, okay. So that raises a good point. So I'll, I'll answer this for an MSP answer. And I, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but I'll, I'll say that whatever you say you're going to do with this phone call, make sure to actually do it, right? If it's a tech will get back to you or a tech will, somebody will email you or whatever it is, follow through on that. That's more important than whatever you actually say right it's regional it's msp company independent whatever but you got to follow up on it and not break that expectation 100 um it's like but that goes with also with anything even with tech you know if you're a service desk or like a ticket working a ticket if you say yeah. something do it um or come back and reevaluate you know or touch base with them um right and reset those expectations for hey i wasn't able to do what i specifically said but here's what i can do for you yeah. situation right yeah. like when when, when i get annoyed with the support it's, it's so because important. the the email came back that said someone will get back to you in an hour and the next day i haven't heard back yet and if they said tomorrow from the beginning that would have been fine yeah my expectations were this and now i'm you have not met my expectations that you set and now we have a problem so Let's play the Kyle game. I, we got to find a name for this. I'm going to get a bumper as soon as we get a good name for it. Uh, <laughs> but let's guess those comments. Um, Kyle, you seem to be on the money pretty often on these, which is kind of scary. Uh, either you're a better moderator than I am or you're just psychic. Uh, I don't know do if you either of those are correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I just Actually, live on the internet a lot. Discord and Slack, so I'm going to take that back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it's just I've been on the internet a lot. Uh, so it, it depends on the answer to this is going to depend on what type of system they have set up. If it's an auto attendant or they have a receptionist that live answers. Um, and if it's an auto attendant, they have their department split and the person will navigate to their department. All right. I, I, I'm not going to give you that pass. You can't hedge your bets. What do you think the comments on here are? The majority of the comments. Auto attendant. Auto attendant, Matt. I bet we got a lot of people putting what their greeting is and saying, "Do this." Let me see. Uh, Ooh, I don't like to guess yeah. at it because I have it shared. So uh, we say company name. This is Tim. So that's a live answer. I hate voicemails. I assume your clients do too. When I leave voicemail with anyone, I assume it's a black hole. Okay. Uh, we're a hybrid break fix. Sometimes uh, when the retail line rings, I answer, give my employee name, and imitate imitate them to the best of my ability. That is a tactic. I've never seen it done on the phone. Um, but that is a negotiation tactic. Uh, thanks for calling the professional juggler, your number one IT provider. All calls are recorded. So auto attendant. Uh, um, I like you should continue that one, by the way. It's a okay. really good one. Oh, is this? Okay. Uh, thanks for calling. Let's do this in the voice. Ooh, yep. Thanks for calling the professional juggler, your number one IT support. All calls are recorded. Please listen to all of the following options as our menu has never changed. Press one for awesome service. We appreciate your business. Business. Bleh. Press two for awesome sales. Press three for more options. Press four to start it over. Billing issues? Press five to be disconnected. <laughs> Still there? Press six to be disconnected. 
Want to terminate service? Press 7 to return to the beginning of the menu. Feeling lucky, punk? Press 0. Try your luck with Janice. <laughs> You've run out of options. Goodbye. Okay, this may nice. be the winner. It's um, <laughs> great. I love it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give that gentleman a nice award because uh, the coins are going away and I got to do something with them. Uh, good for them. Uh, thank you, Fresh MSP, because that was truly fun. Um, and of course, this is where I show off that I don't know how to do things properly. Um, all right. So I'm a one person shop. I don't like telemarketers. Thanks for calling my shop. Your new client, auto attendant, blah, blah. All right. Cool. Not too bad. Not too bad. And most um, of them are auto attendants. Yeah, that is true. Um, we do auto attendant as failover. We do live answer and then auto attendant is a uh, fallback if we're, oh no, live answer and then answering service is fallback if we're busy. And if they don't answer, which never happens, then auto attendant. Um, we, we have something similar where we have an auto attendant, but it fails over to help desk. Okay. Just in case. Yeah. Which makes you can lend leave a voicemail if you, no one answers. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you want to do SLA recommendations? We got five minutes or three minutes. SLA recommendations or billing by device or user? Man, by those device are both user. big topics. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Billing by device or user. I'm curious about your billing preferences. Do you charge clients on a per user per device basis? I'd love to hear a different insight experiences, pros and cons. Um, let's do a rapid fire pros and cons of each, uh, along with your recommendation first. Um, Kyle, I think you said you were a proponent of per user. I am uh, from the first story. Yes. Yep. Uh, Matt, your your preference per user. Hey, what's up? Uh, <clears throat> Hey, what's up, Baga? Um, yeah, and I'm definitely per user. I tried per device. Uh, it was an epic fail for me. Um, per device uh, can like, be good for smaller companies. Um, or engineering or manufacturer. Yep. Uh, things where the user doesn't necessarily need a lot of help. But yeah. I think you can solve that problem without having to have per device uh, planning. However, the market's going to be more towards per user. The costs that you use as an MSP uh, all total up on devices, sure, but that amount of cost uh, is negligible in the, in, in well, I opinion. think it goes back to what you said in the very first story of, you know, the employee, the manager, the, you teach the clients that the, this is a per user, just a cost for the employee being in the organization. You have their salary, you have their burden, you add this into their burden costs and it's easily scalable because you know the number every time you hire somebody, you take into account. Just like when we go to hire somebody, we know it's salary plus insurance plus benefits plus blah, blah. There's an extra cost to hiring people. We know that, we, it's all built in. So I agree with you 100%, by the way, but you, you pitch toward telling the user, this is your scalable cost. And yeah. like, you're right, you can do that with devices. I did that we included up to three because everybody had a tablet, everybody had a laptop, everybody had a cell phone. So we just did up to three, aggregated, averaged it out. And I can tell you, I never once actually counted devices. I never once overcharged somebody for like one extra device. I couldn't care less. It becomes um, much more difficult to manage with the per device. Yes. Because yeah. do you have an MDM in place that is going to add extra cost to you? Uh, and that you have to manage and track. And MDM itself is just a nightmare to manage because they're all garbage. and. Well, and well, uh, and you know, part of the problem there also is, you know, they're paying. It becomes well, this is a part-time user, or I don't want this device covered, but I do want this device covered. When you're saying, we're, I've always said, if you're paying them, that's a user. Period. Yeah. That's that's the qualifier. For <clears throat> All right, Matt. So per user per device, what's your preference? And a few sentences of why. So per user, mostly just because. I don't want to get into tracking. Did somebody get a new phone and we're managing it? Or did somebody like get the, the, the only times I've seen exceptions or custom contracts is when you have like an industrial environment or someone with C shift and you have way, way more users than devices or something changes with the ratio. Um, that doesn't even necessarily mean start counting devices. It might just mean custom contract. Yep. yep. I love it. And uh, if you guys want to continue this conversation, Go on the thread, hit us up on Geek, hit us up on MRU, on Discord. Um, there's plenty of places. Let's continue the or MMN Discord. Let's continue the conversation. Uh, real quick, because I know you guys both have hard outs, as do I. Uh, Kyle, what do you got coming up next week? You got anything coming on? Uh, 
yeah, there's a uh, podcast uh, that I'll be uh, guest hosting on uh, with someone else who's sitting. Oh shit! I should probably. Uh, uh, I should probably have had that link. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with doing, with Finn Security um, about the state of MSPs and cybersecurity at the moment. So um, that's going to be fun. That's happening on the third, I believe. Uh, and uh, you can go on my LinkedIn page, which you uh, which Ray linked up there. And, there you go. Uh, register for it. Uh, Matt, what do you do? What do you got coming up this week? Uh, nothing that exciting. I'll be coming on MSP Community Live next Friday. That's probably the only public place you'll see me, except on my one-minute LinkedIn videos. All right, and follow the videos. They're definitely uh, worthwhile. Let's see what we have coming on, because I know we got stuff mm. coming on. There's always something. Uh, let's see, coming up, upcoming events. We have Community Live right now. Wins and losses, mm. episode ten on Tuesday. AI Roundup episode 30 on Wednesday. Tech Bar uh, with uh, this one will actually be uh, with Alex Boyd uh, as co-hosting with me as a guest co-host. And this will be with Trevor Thomas of Zen Contract. Dude has stories for days. Uh, it'll be a fun Tech Bar. Uh, and then we have Community Live next week and 3838 with Ashley Gordon of Level Agency and then MSP Dispatch as per usual. Uh, Matt, Kyle, thanks so much, guys, for being on. I appreciate it as always. Uh, I would say have a great weekend, but I know I talk to both of you like every other minute. So <laughs> I'll see you guys later. To everybody else, take care of yourselves and each other. Bye, Bye guys. been a broadcast of the MSP Media Network.